a lot of black people just aren't given the opportunity even to rise through the ranks. So if you want to get senior leadership and have someone who's black or a person of color up there, you basically can't find that person because they weren't given the opportunity. Episode nine, here we are. Back. Another episode, we're back. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Um, really excited. It's been a long time coming, but uh, we have Anton Wewa uh, on the show today. What's up, Anton? How you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Great. Very excited to have you on the show. I feel like we have a ton to talk about. We, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I feel like you and I have talked quite a bit. Uh, yes. I, I feel like this is going to be a great episode. But, uh, t- you know, before we kick things off, um, usually we have the guests say a little, a couple things about themselves. Uh, if you don't mind, just like tell us how you got to where you are. Um, tell us about what you do and, and you know, how you got there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm an art director. Um, like, I, did you mention that? I'm not sure if you did. But I'm an art director um, and an Instagram photographer, I guess. And right. uh, yeah, um, we actually work at the same place, me and Malik, if anyone um, is curious about that. was wondering. That's why it's been a long time coming, because I've been bugging to be on this for a while. It's true. We got um, a backlog, man. We got a... <laughs> <laughs> I know, it is really hard to get on here, so I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, and uh, yeah, I went... Um, I got into advertising after graduating from OCAD, which is our lovely prestigious university here in Toronto. And um, yeah, interned at JWT before it became, um, well, Wonderman Thompson before it became JWT. And yeah, I'm here I am now. It's been a, it's been a, a few year journey, but we somehow made it. We made it. We're still of it. We're still here. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, given the given the last episode, I feel like we, we have a ton to talk about. Um, let's start things off. What's going on? Yeah, I know. It's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks. I just before we get into the topic, I just want to know, Anton, like how are you how are you doing? You know, uh, you know, as a black person um in Canada, as a black person in, in advertising right now. I don't know about if you share the same sentiment as me, but I feel like it's been kind of a a bit of an uprising. It's been, you know, a very emotional roller coaster of, of a couple of weeks. Are you are you doing all right? Yeah, I think I'm doing better now than I was before. I feel like the the Friday, the week, I guess the week um, George Floyd was murdered was that that was the week that kind of that Friday kind of hit really hard. Yeah. And I was just saying, like we've had we've had a few conversations about this, and I was saying how it felt this time felt very like you know personal, even though you know every time every time in a way it's personal, but this time felt kind of it hit different, mm-hmm. and it's been a roller coaster of like you know anger and uh, I also I guess disgust, which is something which is a roller coaster I've been on since. Trump got elected in 2006, so I guess it's nothing new for me. But this, like this particular month, added another layer to it. Yeah. And yeah, it's been it's been weird. It's been weird. Some days you're like you know you kind of feel better, and then some days you just go down a hole. And being in like in uh, self isolation and this kind of like keeping away does not help the situation because all you have is like your thoughts, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's so true. And I mean, 
you, you factor the whole COVID, you know, quarantine situation on top of everything. It's been, a, for me, it's been, and Dak, you might relate as well, but I feel like it's been a time for a lot of self-reflection. I mean, mm-hmm. with, you know, adding on, you know, the murder of George Floyd and, and the, the protests that are happening, you know, all across the world, really, at this point, uh, it's been, it's been really heavy. And, you know, I feel like the advertising industry has, it, it, it's skeptical, right? In our last episode with Josh, you know, we talked about, you know, what, what brands can do and what, you know, what they should do. And, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since, you know, this, this protesting began, um, you know, and, and this is kind of an open discussion for the group here, but, you know, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks. We've, you know, we've seen how brands are reacting, how they're responding. Um, are there any that like stood out to, to, to you guys that have, have been good or have followed through and continued their promise instead of just adding in that, you know, black square on the blackout Tuesday? Like, what do you guys think? I'll let you go first, Santa. Oh, okay. I, I was going to say, I'll let you go first, but you would beat <laughs> me to it. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I don't know, everything, the only time I've kind of felt not completely, um, awkward about a brand's response was maybe I'd say like Nike's like little spot that they did because, and I only say that because Nike has, I feel like they have room to talk about this stuff because they have been, you know, behind a lot of this, like with Colin Kaepernick, Mm -hmm. but like a few years ago, it's like, I feel they have this kind of leeway to be that brand and to kind of stand up for social justice in a way for this particular kind of social justice. But everything else feels like brands are just kind of like saying it because they have to say it, mm-hmm. which is also kind of like a catch 22. It's like, I feel like we're going to be kind of annoyed with them for saying something when they've never said anything, but yeah. we're also going to be annoyed with them if they don't say anything. <laughs> so yeah. this is going to show that they should have been like, you know, you should, you should have been showing up like a long time ago for a while because like that's why with nike i don't feel like oh what why the hell are you like suddenly talking about it's because they have been talking about it and other brands have been historically very silent like making little moves here and there and then post a black square or post like you know the standard message and we're making donations and the donations are usually like you know tiny and they're all the donations are going to the exact same organizations like yeah kind of a a knee-jerk response like oh that's the organization that everyone's donating to let's say it and throw money at it so i don't know nothing really feels that genuine to me right now i i think you like nailed it in terms of what i was going to say because like on one side it's like it's great because people are being helped by these donations like no matter what they donate someone is going to be helped by it um, but then on the other side, it's like people, brands are acting like black people are a new concept. They're acting yeah. like we just came out and our needs are are new. You know what I mean? Like I, I sent something to Malik with the like Band-Aids coming out with uh, darker skin Band-Aids after 99 years of being around. People have been talking about this for so long to the point we just gave up. And now they're saying, oh, we want to be all inclusive with our product. And it's like is this a trend? Like, are you just doing this for the summer? And then after that, it's all just going to fade away. Like black people aren't new. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I find it's really interesting. Like there's a couple, couple things that I'll comment on that. Like one, like the, the point that you brought up Anton is that like the, you know, the concept of like having permission to speak about a topic, um, I think is like really important because I feel like a lot of brands try and like, um, 
solve like their, you know, problems, you know, that for lack of better words, you know, through like advertising, through social media, you know, through like these channels publicly say, you know, this is, you know, we care about black people and, you know, we want to do this and, you know, we're, we're here. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, take a look inside. And I think, you know, this goes back to one of the things that we were talking about in the last episode, Dak, is, you know, brands like not really like, like saying stuff externally without doing anything internally to like change their policies or to, you know, combat racism that exists within their own organization. I feel Man, like- just to, just to stop you on that. I saw a tweet that fits that perfectly. I think I sent it to you a week ago. I was going to read it out. It's like, thank you for your black lives matter graphic. May I please see a picture of your executive leadership team and company board? Yeah, like, that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, also a friend of mine sent through her company sent them like a little Black Lives Matter email referencing this from the leadership, and for some reason they chose to put the leadership's photos in the email. So it was like speaking about Black Lives Matter, a giant header, and three or four photos of like white men. So it's yeah. very wow. interesting. Yeah, it's just like it just goes to show that, and like you know what, I I respect and I. I appreciate that, you know, companies can't just hire like a, a black VP tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Can't just, like change, but like I would argue, and like, this is a, this is a, I wouldn't know if this is controversial or not, but I would argue that like, you know, having, you know, your white execs in your company, like start to like practice and, you know, reflect and like look internally, look inside themselves and see what they've done and how they benefited uh, from just like the color of their skin and how that like has got them to where they are. And then that I would say is like an extremely important part because I don't think black people are there to like solve the problem or like be the quota or whatever that is. They should be, you know, they should be there because they're like the legitimate candidate to do the job. Right. And I would say, you know, uh, having a, a team of white execs is, you know, they need to be the ones doing the work. And I find that like a lot of a lot of brands are like leaning or a lot of I would say agencies as well are probably leaning on their, you know, black employees to say, well, like, you know, what the fuck do we do? Like, you know, how do we exhausting, man? Well, exactly. You shouldn't have to be the voice for your entire like race, you know, especially because you're probably one of max five people at that company of, of black people at that company. And it's like now all eyes are on you. Like, fix this. Do something for us. And it's like. Mm. Yeah, is this yeah. my problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's really interesting. And, you know, I think the the point about the Band-Aids, like, that's just brutal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I can with the Band-Aids. Like, I, I, I personally grew up, like, I didn't grow up in Canada. I grew up in Africa. And I never kind of had this, um, I mean, I always just thought Band-Aids, I just assumed Band-Aids are that color. You know what I mean? Ooh, I was just shit. like, yeah. I, it didn't even just register to me that, oh, they're meant to like fit different skin tones. So I'm like, when I have a Band-Aid on, it's like, just not going to like fit me, right? So I was just like, that's life. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's, it's like, I only found out about this like three or four years ago. And I was like, oh, right, Band-Aids are supposed to like match your skin tone. That's why they're that color. Well, yeah. that color to match white people's skin tone. Yeah. And this is at that to your point, I kept after I found that out, I kept seeing like all these little points about Band-Aid never doing this. And the fact that they've done it now, it's like, I mean, thank you. But at the same time, what was Julie. stopping you this whole time? Yeah, like there's there's like really no barrier like the 
the, the biggest challenge for them is like maybe getting like the type of dye or whatever that they use in the latex or whatever the fuck band-aids are made out of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is, this is very easy for their company to churn out if we're being well, honest. Yeah. And it's like, I would, I would argue that like, it's, it's kind of offensive and it's like, it's showing up to be like, you know, this is the right time to do this. Like really like this is the right time. This was the, the like the, the reason why this was sort of put over the ledge. I don't know. I, I think that it's just, there's a lot of like laziness that I see that I'm seeing. And I don't know if you guys have seen as well from, from a lot of brands and like the lack of follow through um, is, will be determined, I think a lot, but uh, you yeah. know, it's interesting to kind of see how they're responding. And, you know, I remember when this whole thing kicked off and like, that's, that's not even the right way to say it, but like, I was interested to see, you know, which brands would like continue uh, and like, you know, honor their commitments and honor their plans. Cause I don't know about you guys, but I feel like donate while donations are really great to your point, they're only going to a couple organizations. And then two, like it's a short term solution to like a much larger long-term, you know, problem mm-hmm. that fixed yeah like also just in terms of you mentioning uh brands being lazy like can we talk about blackout tuesday for, for a bit because i remember <laughs> that, that seemed like some of the most performative just strategy from brands where they would just post that picture blackout uh hashtag it and then go about their day and specifically there are a few restaurants in toronto that did so and if you just look at the comments nothing but servers and, and people that work there saying how racist organization is there's, there's comments from people that ate there that experienced racism and it's like that backfired you know like put up or shut up like put, literally put yeah up or it's shut like up. it's doing it's it's kind of literally the least you can do like when people yeah. say oh, it's least, like it was literally the least they could do and it was just i like blackout Tuesday, I didn't even know it was a thing until I woke up that Tuesday and I looked at my phone Same. and I was like, why, why is everyone posting like black squares? What's happening? And then for a second there, I was like, Oh, should I, should, do I have to do it? And it took me like literally 15 minutes to find where this came from and what the purpose of it was. Yeah. And even then I was kind of like, this is really weird. I mean, I appreciate like, like you said, it's kind of better that someone does something than nothing at all. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, back it don't do the least and think you've done something yeah because even i don't know if you guys followed drew Brees and his statement but like he he did a blackout tuesday post and then the next day he's like talking about all lives matter and it's like whoa what wait, wait what? who was like, this drew Brees, uh, the the yeah, um quarterback in the nfl plays for the new orleans saints and like yeah like to that point he posted this square and then like the next day he was saying he was like criticizing you know, players kneeling for the national anthem because it like disrespected the flag and, and the oh military God. And stuff. Like, you know, just it was like Trump esque type people. Yeah. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's, you know, it, it, and that, I don't know about you guys, but that kind of indicates to me that like the people doing this and posting like aren't really getting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, we talk about short-term change versus long-term change. Like Anton, what do you feel would be like an accurate response from a brand trying to do things like a little bit longer term, like less donation based and more, you know, forward thinking, like, what does that look like to you? Um, I think it definitely starts, like you were saying, it's like it should be more within the company. Like you have to change 
because most companies right now, especially the biggest brands, are run predominantly by like white men. So yeah. I, we they do have they have to create an atmosphere that kind of is welcoming and actively seeks to find like black people and other people of color because half the time, well, it's kind of like an advertising issue, you know, cause we've talked about this as well. It's you, we want to make advertising more diverse, but at the same time, no one kind of really questions why advertising isn't diverse. And that's because like the opportunities, like, aren't there at a very like low level like from the entry point of to into advertising like a lot of black people just aren't getting into it and that might like i'm thinking in a lot of places a lot of black people just aren't given the opportunity even to rise through the ranks so if you want to get senior leadership and have someone who's black or a person of color up there you basically can't find that person because they weren't given the opportunity Mm -hmm. so i think it's a combination of I guess, better hiring, I guess, more, you know, like outreach, I feel. And maybe this is a controversial thing to say, but I think like affirmative action is one of like the things that kind of have to happen because we have to overcorrect for this problem. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, well, um, yeah, you have to give the person who's most qualified. Well, half the time and more than half the time, the person who's most qualified is a white person because that person has had the opportunities to become qualified. So you need to get more people qualified. So we need to look further down, you know, the pipeline rather than up top and just the hiring. And and I think all companies who are like, say you put out your little black square, hopefully they're having conversations in the background about these deeper things, I would hope. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And I mean, you know, it is tough. And I, I know like the, I, I don't, this is like such like a weird point because like I it's a gray area for me but like you know unpaid internships were a thing for a really long time and like you know I I'm not I'm I don't come from a, a background that's like really rich but I don't come back from a background that's like really like you know low socioeconomic status and like but like when I was coming out of college like I was forced to take a job essentially that like I you know didn't really want in the first place but it was like the only one that I could find that could like pay me you know what I mean and like you know I eventually like leapfrogged from where I was to like where I wanted to be but you know I had to spend like a year doing so when like you know certain people who could afford to take unpaid internships because their parents like you know hook them up with like rent money and stuff like that um they're able to just like take those and then just be a part of the system and then grow within that system and make connections and Mm -hmm. all that stuff so i feel like you know that you know and i'm again i might be speaking at a line but like i'm not sure if that's like a thing or not anymore unpaid internships but i know that like that's just like a huge barrier you know what i mean and you know i i would hope that like agencies and you know companies who want to hire more you know black people within their organization are like investing a little bit further into their like hiring process and their, you know, internal policies that like make it a little bit more accessible to everyone. Because I don't think while these policies are like overtly racist, it's like inherently racist because mm-hmm. it's only allowing certain people to get into an organization. I hate like the, and I'm, I'm going off a little bit, but I hate the whole concept of like, Oh, this person's more qualified than, than this person. It's like, well, like, you know, it's to your point, Anton, it's kind of unfair because like they were given the opportunity to become mm-hmm. qualified versus those who 
um, who may not have. So I don't know. And I don't think most people realize that. Like you guys even mentioned that, and that's something I've thought of before. But I think the majority of people in those positions of privilege aren't thinking that. They're not thinking that, you know, I had this leg up to uh, be a better candidate applying for advertising jobs than somebody else. So I think that's where it starts for sure is like those people need to understand um, the pool of candidates that are applying, like are usually in a position of privilege and how can we get a more diverse, um, how can we get a more diverse staff is by finding those people in in high school and having certain, you know, uh, maybe funds in place or, or organizations in place to help that person grow as much as that, you know, white kid that ends up going to that college and then getting that top agency spot. I'd really like to see a lot of companies own up to the fact that they've made mistakes. I think a lot of them are are um, kind of sugarcoating it, but I'd really just like to see a company be honest and say, you know, we fucked up. It's not something we ever thought of, but now that we realize how important this is, this is what we're going to do. These are the phases. This is our diversity and inclusion plan and make that public. Like, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel in also in a lot of ways to that point of, you know, having the the opportunities and the privileges also when you're like at face value. And I feel like maybe this is also kind of what a lot of people see is that at face value, it's more of like um, like a socioeconomic and class issue where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, it's not it's not a lot of people might say, you know, it's not really about race. It's like, well, this person had opportunity. But then when you really like, I mean, and you don't really have to think about it that deeply, but all these things intersect so much that it's one blurred kind of, you know, ball of discrimination, I guess. Where the reason that people are of a lower socioeconomic status is because of their race. And yeah. then their race in turn contributes to the socioeconomic status. So it's like yeah. it's like it's like it's like it's a very difficult like cycle to be able to like break and you know identify because like there's not really one issue to fix that, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, moving on to our, our next topic, you know, in terms of like, you know, that we're getting a little bit deeper into, you know, you know, discrimination and, you know, these racist policies and, and, and whatnot, you know, being a black art director, um, in a, you know, primarily like white creative space. I know you and I have been part of meetings. Uh, I won't mention which ones, but where a client, you know, has, has said some, you know, inappropriate things, you know, knowing that there are black people on the line or in the room. Um, tell me a little bit about your experiences, you know, in like, casting sessions or client presentations or like sort of like internal struggles of like working at an agency, like not only being black, but being a black creative, which is like, you know, not the norm. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, I feel unique. A lot of the times I find myself kind of just going through it and not like putting in the back of my mind, you know, cause mm-hmm. if it's something you constantly think about, you won't be able to fit to move at all if you do anything because it's always something you trip up on Mm -hmm. but like for example with um i i I don't know i feel like it's it's a it's definitely a unique perspective to have and when you're surrounded by so many people who look the same and don't look like you Mm -hmm. it kind of becomes an environment where by default things are a little um microaggression-y i want to say maybe but once again, like it's a, it's no one's it's no one's fault really. Like it's no one individual person's fault. 
but it's just like when you have a group of people most of them are white most of them have this very like a very white centric a very like you know upper middle class view of the world yeah it kind of it seeps into the way they like you know the way they interact with you the work that we do so a lot of times like we end up I don't know, like I, I remember working with a few um, with a few different people and working on different kinds of scripts. And I'd notice all the times scripts kind of always go into one kind of direction that is expected where you like, I can tell that this was written by, you know, a white ad bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get into casting and kind of the same people, the same kind of casting is happening. And I personally always try to like, I consciously make a choice to cast uh, more diverse people to get like you know lgbt representation to get more black people in there but sometimes i've had like pushback from clients even that kind of was unexpected like at my um previous job one of our clients we were doing this spot that was like a nationwide canada spot and we had to cast separately for quebec and the quebec casting they were very adamant that everyone must be white like we can't have wow. Um, we can't have people of color for the Quebec casting. And this was said to me, like I was working with um, another uh, black creative at the time, like one of the very few. And this was said with full knowledge that we're like, you know, two black creatives on the phone and just the way it was phrased. And it was just like, it was just this weird conversation that we had to have about race. And yeah, it's little, like little things like that keep propping up in your daily life. And you just kind of have to try and make things better, but also not focus too hard on the, the kind of roadblocks that are being put in your way when it comes to that. It's pretty, so, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say just on that comment, just on that note about like having that call and, and getting that pushback from a client. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you navigate that? Like, I'm not sure kind of where you are within your career, but do you feel mm -hmm. like you are senior enough to, kind of push back on that pushback or yeah i i do i think frankly at that point it's not even a matter when i was working on that i was not senior enough whatsoever but mm -hmm. it is a matter of i don't think you have to be senior to like push back on stuff like that right and we did have um like a little we touched on it when she when the clan brought this up we kind of touched on this and said, well, how come, like, why? It was like a weird demographic thing. Like, they had, like, some kind of statistics or something. And I'm like, but I don't, I'm like, in my mind, I don't think Quebecers are going to go, like, what the F when they see um, a Black person or, like, people of color in a spot. Yeah. So for me, it was kind yeah. of, like, even no, if even if you think it. they will, you should kind of push that envelope because we're trying to represent Canada. We're not trying to represent, like, you know, a small town in like, you know, Eastern Quebec or something. It's, this is a, a Canada wide thing and it, and mm -hmm. it is going to run in Quebec. Sure. So we did have kind of a bit of pushback, but then ultimately, you know how you get shut down in a very like diplomatic that way with like stats and like reasons and they're like, yeah. and they, and they seem like they're kind of genuinely sorry, but they're just like literally shutting you down. So yeah, they, yeah. they ended up shutting us down and we were like, is there a point to, pushing this any further and the consensus was no bigger battle but yeah but on that note i've had more recently other discussions with clients where we're kind of working on projects that are very 
racialized, like for Black History Month. And there we open, we have more open, like this time we had more open discussions about, you know, we're talking about race here and we're talking to Black people. So we kind of had this very frank and open discussion with the client when we didn't see eye to eye. Hmm. Right. That's a, and I can imagine it's like a, a tricky conversation to have. And like, I love your point about like, the the stats and the reason and all that kind of stuff because that's like that's inherently racist too you know what i mean i saw like yeah i saw this like really funny and like this is kind of related to what we were just talking about i saw this like funny thing by like the onion or the beaverton or one of those like fake yeah, yeah. companies or whatever and it's like man who claims that he isn't racist but like has every single like uh, like backup argument in his pocket, like waiting to go for whatever. Like you bring up <laughs> the race, like the yeah. devil's advocate kind of guy for race. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> that's that's how I feel too. Because it's like, well, like you know, this isn't like a scientific statistic issue. And like, if we're getting like that granular, I don't think. But like, you're you know, if you're getting that specific on a campaign that's like a national campaign that's supposed to like target everybody, you know, it doesn't like being that specific doesn't really matter because to your point, you know, I don't think anyone in Quebec, I mean, there's probably some, but like, I don't think the majority of the, you know, Quebec population is going to look at that and be like, wait, what the fuck? There's a black person in this commercial. Like I'm not buying yeah. the product because this yeah, is exactly like chill Rogers. Like no one gives a shit. <laughs> it's not- like I, you said, you said it so well. You're like um, the stats and everything, how they're inherently, inherently racist themselves. So it's like, we have, it's when brands choose to do that, it's like they're playing within the constraints of the racist structures that have already been created. So yeah. that's why it's, that's how it's so self-reinforcing. It's, it's like, when you think about it, it becomes so overpowering. And I, there's been many times in the past two weeks where I'm like, can we even can we even change anything? Can we get out of this? Because they will give you the stats, but then you're like, yeah, but even though the stats are true, the stats are true because of racism. Yeah. So we can't keep playing in this sandbox when we know the sandbox is messed up. They're, they're nervous, right? They don't want to push this boundary. They think that, you know, their audience is going to resonate with someone that looks like them. So they don't even want to want to experiment at all you know mm-hmm. even though it's more represented more representative of what canada is as a whole they're, they're they're scared of it yeah and like it's just it's weird too because you factor in like you ask like you know i'm an accounts person so i think like you know why is this person saying this because you know some some like clients bonus is like hinging on those you know that you know extra percentage or extra couple percentages of like the ad tracking that says like people like this ad because X, Y, Z, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. I think that yeah. that's an, that's a good enough reason for someone not to be like, yeah, let's just have a black person in a, in a spot in general. Like, you know what I mean? I just don't think that makes any sense. And I don't think people, truthfully, I don't think people give a shit about ads enough to like, honestly, care. in like a very, like, I don't know what the spot is, Anton, but like I'm assuming that it would be like a like a passive like role for like just like a a, a person in a spot, like not really the focus being on race. But I don't know exactly. Yeah, it was just it was a spot with just like multiple like little vignettes of things. So there wasn't like one person, but we you know because it was so vignette, we saw that as an opportunity to just put different kinds of people in these different situations. Yeah. yeah. So, but but apparently, even anyway. 
I don't want to go down that path because <laughs> it graded my nerves. Well, that's that's a thing too, and I don't know. It's just a it's a really interesting like setup because like a lot of clients, like I've had clients tell me that um, you know they don't want you know to cast you know black people and there's far too many black people because they think that it might be like considered like an American spot or you know the you know it's not representative of everybody. I'm like this, like this literally you guys like just look at what you're saying and like, just take yourself out of it for a quick sec and just like try and understand why someone would, someone like me would think that this is just like inherently like not okay. Like this is just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's, uh, let's continue on here. Pride 2020. I had to bring it up. You know, I said this, this, it's a, it's a little bit different this year for, you know, a couple of different reasons, you know, COVID being, you know, a, a big thing as well, but also like amidst like the, the, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and, and all of like the protests happening, you know, about, you know, injustice um, among black people around the world. How do you guys feel like how things are going to go? I know it's not really like the, the typical like celebration and, you know, pomp and circumstance that, you know, a lot of people are used to, but uh, I'd love, I'd love your opinions on, you know, how you see it, you know, playing out for the, the rest of the month. Jack, I'll let you go first this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I see it being like, I, something I've, I've seen throughout pride month now, like with the black lives matter protests is a lot of stuff being paired together. So a lot of people speaking more about, you know, black trans people and then black gay people and amplifying their voices because they're often um, pretty muted um, and mm-hmm. attacked, you know, like black trans people. Um, just the, the stats behind that is, is just insane. So I, I think that we're going to see them in kind of unison. So like we're going to see a lot of like when, when there is that virtual pride parade, like I think there will be elements of the Black Lives Matter movement as well kind of ingrained in it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah, it's all about like intersectionality. Like that's like a whole other element to this to this as well, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's definitely uh, seeing seeing it already with like pride flags. I was just um, on Lower Street yesterday because I went to my first ever protest. It was um, nice. it was one of the um, I've never been to a protest for some reason. I don't know. I'm clearly not that politically active outside of Twitter. But um, <laughs> but uh, on the way there, we drove past uh, the Manual Life Center or the Manual Life Building. I don't remember. What, I don't know what it's called. But at Church and Bloor, and they have a pride flag up. But their pride flag has the two bars on top for black and brown people. And um, I'd never seen that. Like, I, I know they put up a pride flag before, but for some reason, this is only registered to me now that they have that, that pride flag up there. So I think it's already like having this conversation. You can't have the conversation about pride right now, as much as the white gays would allow us to have a conversation just about pride <laughs> and uh, chromatica. Um, as much as everyone would love to do that, you can't ignore the, you know, like you were saying, black trans lives and black queer people because the experience for black group people is completely different from everyone else yeah. like from even like yeah with um uh gay men even with tra- with trans people experiences slightly different like we're like you were saying with the black trans women particularly it's 
insane what's happening. It's I'm just insane. And this has never been at the for like in the forefront of our conversations. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's pretty true. And, you know, bringing the, you know, the concept of like intersectionality into that as well. Like, you know, when you, you know, people, people like to think that it's just like, Oh, and like, I, I, you know, I'm not a gay person. I'm, I'm totally straight, but it's like, when I see, you know, <laughs> we believe you. <laughs> we get it, man. We get it. <laughs> but like, seeing the, the you know the pride parades year after year like it seems like i'm catching myself and maybe it's not the right way because i've never been to one of these parades and but like i'm just like this seems like off like a white celebration like it sound it it feels like like very like you know white and when i look at like you know the you know the most marginalized i would argue some of the most marginalized you know groups uh, you know in society like you know black queer people black trans you know women in general it's just like, it's like eye opening. And it's like, you know, this, like, this needs to be factored into this, like, this needs to be a, a bigger deal. Like, we need to be like, we need to have representation of these people, you know, not only in the events, and maybe they are, and maybe I'm just being ignorant. But like, I don't see it. And like, I think that like, this year, you know, is a really good, maybe jumping off point for us to be able to like, move forward in that regard. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think like culturally as well with um, like the black community in North, once again, like I didn't grow up in North America, but like from, I've been here a while and I'm kind of what, from what I've seen the culturally um, the black American community is very, has very different attitudes towards um, the LGBT community within, within itself. Yeah. So like a lot of like black men, for example, who might, might not feel like, empowered to come out there's this whole thing of being on the down low and it feels like pride for so long has kind of ignored that this is even a thing Mm -hmm. because pride is very much like you said it is very white centric it's kind of grown from i mean from back in the day when when the first you know pride quote-unquote riot happened and we've learned about marsha p johnson who was a black trans woman like being very instrumental in that and over the years that's kind of been diluted to become this very you know like white centric thing where all the ads you see on tv have white men like white cisgender men even not even like even not even having like a lesbian couple or something it's been very like male focused as well it's like just but another thing with how like white cis men are permeating everything even the lgbt community and I feel like now this is the moment where we can kind of step back for a second and look, reassess how we're treating pride and how we're addressing different kinds of communities within the LGBT community, because it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. No, it's, it's very true. I, I mean, I totally, I totally agree. And like, I think that like the way that we do the, you know, one size fits all kind of approach, like clearly has never worked in the past. So like, now that now is the time to like think and make some change in in that regard. But yeah, and I'd I'd also just like to see you know because last year on our podcast we talked about like brand support and pride and whether or not it's authentic. You know, I'd like to see or I'm looking forward to see how brands kind of still um, shout out to you know the Black Lives Matter movement while also talking about pride and how those things kind of intersect and mm-hmm. and that it's not like leave one alone now that it's gone and then jump to pride you know like we saw a yeah. lot of brands change their kind of logo to black 
black versions. And then I think they're just waiting on the call to now change it to rainbow and then go back, you know, right after the month is over. Exactly. I've seen so many memes on Twitter of how brands do like the switch when pride comes around. <laughs> yeah. Like suddenly it's like, yay, we're all gay. Let's be happy together. And then literally it's, it's also kind of jarring when, you know, you spend all June walking around the city, especially last year when you could walk around the city freely and yeah. seeing all these pride flags. And then literally on the 1st of July, it's suddenly everything is just gone. <laughs> they literally take it down overnight. And yeah, they're like, we're done with this. It's, <laughs> it's brutal. Have, uh, have you guys seen the the latest celebrity video? Like the... <laughs> I take response. <laughs> I have, I will proudly say that I have not, I know what it's about, but I have not seen it because I couldn't bring myself to watch it the like, same way I couldn't don't bring even myself bother. to watch Imagine. Don't, like, don't Imagine. even bother. It's like one of those ones where it's like, oh, like, are you fucking serious, guys? Like, seriously? Like, did we not learn a couple months ago? Like, I don't know. We don't have to. What made me mad is, you know, like, I liked Aaron Paul and then he did that corny <laughs> shit and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Anton Aaron Paul's was so dramatic too. Apparently, it's like <laughs> so dramatic. He was yeah. the second person, right? Yeah. yeah. In the whole, like, I saw Sarah Paulson and I saw Aaron Paul. When Aaron Paul did his thing, I at that point I cringed so much that I couldn't carry on. <laughs> like there was a director on the other end, just like take two, you know, do it again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> tears, please. Point on set. So bad, but. So to wrap things up, um, I wanted to touch on our last topic here just about, you know, we, we talked a lot about brands. We talked a lot about like advertising and stuff like that. Um, at what point do we start holding these people accountable? And I know that like count, uh, cancel culture is is one of those, you know, buzzwords, if that's the, you know the right way to say it. You know, should we be like actively canceling brands or like putting our money elsewhere for like People who are posting, like, let's say, let's use a black square as an example, like posting that shit and then never following up. Like, what's the, what's yep, the part? Of yep, 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 absolutely. Um, I I kind of hate that it took me even this long to, like, act more cautious with my dollar. But seeing some of those um, restaurants in Toronto posting the black square and then reading their comments about racism, they're off my list to go to. There's a lot of brands that, you know, you're off my list to now go to. And I'm maybe I'm just one person that's not going to make a difference. But I'm starting to see that conversation on Twitter with a lot more people saying we're going to take our dollar elsewhere, um, putting putting it into black owned businesses more than more than they did before. Yeah. No mm-hmm. What do you think? How do you, how do you feel, Anton? Um, I agree. In, in, wait, on that note, like of what, um, particularly with um, the stories that I've heard and that like the, what we've touched on here, I totally agree. I was just gonna have a separate comment about cancel culture in general because it feels almost like a lot of times it's kind of a bit too much because like on the internet, everything everything negative is painted with one broad stroke where it's like it's black and white. It's like bad or good. So no matter how small an offense may be, people have been canceled for it. And I keep like, is, and but maybe that's a, just the nature of the internet because you lose nuance in it. Um, but in the sense of letting our dollars speak for, you know, for our beliefs, particularly with this situation here, 
I'd say absolutely. Like we can't, it might be too early now to say like, what, what's happening? What are you really doing? Yeah. And because uh, this conversation has just kind of weirdly, like we said, it was supposed to have started a long time ago, but now has only kind of just started going. So I want to see what is going to happen a bit down the line before actually deciding that this brand has neglected everything except of Mm -hmm. course the brands that have historically proven to be uh racist and now suddenly kind of just put on this hat where they're like oh um we actually support black people didn't didn't you know that then it's kind of like yeah i'm i'm not going to give them benefit of the doubt but i'm just a person who naturally gives the benefit of the doubt so let's see what happens in like a month from now because like you said the changes that we're looking for aren't overnight things either yeah and now anything anything a brand does now that's not um well anything they do that they kind of publicize already gives me pause because yeah. i'm like you're talking about it you just want to be, it's kind of a a visual thing so i want to see the results and i don't know when we're going to see like the actual results we want as opposed to you know short term fixes yeah no i i agree with that i think that like there's a couple of different ways to look at it. And like to reiterate your point, like brands who are like overtly, you know, being racist and disregarding like the actual bad shit that they're doing. It's like, okay, well like I'm going to spend my money elsewhere. Cause like I'm good. Thanks. But like ones that have like tried or at least come out to say like, Hey guys, like we're here to make a commitment. Like, you know, I would like to hold them accountable, but I recognize also that like, this isn't something that can just, happen in in a couple days is a long-term process and i think that like while we can be cautious with our dollars i don't think it's productive to be like okay well uh i didn't see immediate results in a couple days so like goodbye kind of thing um but yeah Yeah, for sure i'd like to see like you know the the progress but like i'm definitely definitely um a little bit more conscious about where i'm spending my money and you know and whether or not i i think that i should financially support a brand or a company or whatever, if they're not, you know, practicing these things every single day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have a question. What would like practicing it, what does practicing it look like for you guys? Um, For me, I think it starts, you know, internally, I think it starts with a lot of like, uh, like hiring policies. It starts with, you know, a, you know, education programs amongst like, you know, senior, you know, executive teams trickling all the way down through the organization um, I think it starts, you know, with with that, um, because those things and like understanding like that, the, the sandbox, if we're using that example again, the sandbox that they're playing in, the structure they're playing is a little bit like is flawed. Right. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. you're able to evaluate that and break out of that and understand that, you know, we need to do some serious self-reflecting. I don't know what that looks like in, you know, execution, but I would yeah. assume that it means that, you know, down the road things will be changing and maybe there will be a black CEO and, you know, at a, a larger company that's, you know, been historically white, or maybe that there's a, an entire staff that's uh, of, you know, black people in like executive roles that aren't just the diversity and inclusion, you know, staff kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like making yeah. actual steps and making change to, you know, internal policies and reflect and in turn reflecting that in, in your staff. Yeah, I think like obviously actions speak louder than words. So if you're going to publicly post, you know, the black square or or a statement about um, the protests and, and Black Lives Matter, I'd also like to see 
the follow-up made public as well. So what are those updates after the next quarter? Have you put any initiatives in place or policies in place to amplify and support, you know, Black voices and Black people? If we're not seeing that, then, you know, at some point I have to just assume it's not being done. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take at least. Uh, you know, and I think I think that's a good last word. I think we covered a lot of topics on this episode. Um, Anton, thanks so much for coming coming on. Like, we'll have to get you back. Um, we'll have to get you and Seth. Seth's next up. Uh, Seth, if you're listening to this, can't wait to have you on here next week. But uh, <laughs> we got to get a we got to get a squad, uh, you know, recording because I think we have a lot to say. And you know, especially during these times, we you know we I feel like we you know we can speak up, and and I'm hoping people will finally listen. So thanks so much for jumping on the show. Um, you know, this has been episode nine um, available on, you know, all, all major streaming platforms. So um, give us a, give us a listen and give us a like if you enjoyed the episode. For sure. And I just want to say thank you for having me. I really, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's really important. And I think to your point, we did have a really productive conversation with a lot. There's a lot to discuss. And I feel like we've only touched yeah. the tip of the yeah yeah. there's a whole rabbit hole to go down totally uh and maybe this will be a series who knows but uh until then um thanks for thanks for coming on i really appreciate it thanks guys thank you guys